of God and all the ways that God has shown God's faithfulness to you over these years. That God's faithfulness is to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. And I'm thanking God right now for all the storms that have turned into places to see the promise of God. I'm grateful, God, that you are the God of the storm and that you're the God who speaks to storms. Peace be still. And so just go ahead and let, the, let a storm come into your mind that you saw God's faithfulness later, not at the moment that you were in it, but later. Let that storm come to mind. And let your face be lifted to heaven here right now. And let your gaze be fixed on the one who is the author and the finisher of all things, faith, hope, and love. Just lift your head to the one who knows the storm you're in right now. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, but knowing there was a crown laid out. And God, we let a hallelujah and a thank you and an acknowledgement of your faithfulness rise up from our hearts right now. So I, um, I was thinking about you, Sarah, and uh, one of our early storms of life. We've been through several storms together in our family, and I was thinking about the fact that some of the storms that you have been through have been about your education. We just didn't know you were getting your PhD before you got your master's, you know? Like you, and I, I was just thinking about God's faithfulness and even you teaching children now, and um, one of the things that Nancy and I have talked about is like uh, half the time you, you make us cry whenever you teach because, of course, Aunt Nancy, Mrs. Sharpley was there in the, you know, when you were little and watching you teach kids what you know to be true, that there is a rainbow after storms and God is faithful. So friends, don't forget that today. I know that there are so many things that we're looking at in this moment, but I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. You know, like if I fix my eyes anywhere else, I'm just going to get weird and crazy and irritated and angry. But if I fix my eyes on Jesus, the one who is the author and the finisher, the one who does put a rainbow in the sky afterward. And, and Kennedy, thank you so much for being such a faithful kids teacher for us. And, and I know the kids have missed you and they loved when you did devotional. Um, and, you know, I just, I, I, I look at the generations, and I just want to say thank God that, that we are the people of God, and in this time when God gets to be God on God's own terms. Can you say that after me? God gets to be God on God's own terms, right? And that when we're learning about God uh, in these moments, you're going to find out things that you just, you're just going to be you're going to be shocked and amazed by the goodness of God. We're in Acts chapter 15, everybody, and I just want you to um, get comfortable, and um, I'm going to read you a story 
from Acts chapter 15. And this is such a great part of our Christian story is the people in Acts chapter 15 that I want us to practice what is called finding yourself in the story. And this means that we let Scripture read us rather than we read Scripture for our own ends. Like, I'm going to find, like, you know how in the back of your Bible it say, if you're anxious, look up this Scripture. If you're this, look up that Scripture. And that just means we try to use God's Word for our own purposes rather than when we read the Word and we say, oh, God, we'd love the Word to read us so that you can be God on your own terms and not on my terms. Like, God, you can reveal yourself to me in a way that I haven't seen before because this day has never existed before. So here we are in Acts chapter 15, and I'll read you the story from the message version. It wasn't long before some religious Jews showed up from Judea insisting that everyone live by the law. If you don't live by the law, mosaic fashion... You can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas were up on their feet at once in fierce protest. The church decided to resolve the matter by sending Paul, Barnabas, and a few others to put it before the apostles and leaders in Jerusalem. After they were sent off and on their way, they told everyone they met as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria about the breakthrough to the non-Jewish outsiders. So this is the story of the people of God who knew God in the Jewish culture, bringing the story of Jesus to people who were non-Jewish, and they were learning about the gift of Christ. Everyone who heard the news cheered. Can you all just cheer for a second behind your mask? Come on, come on. Like the best news ever. They said it was terrific news. They got to Jerusalem. Paul and Barnabas were graciously received by the whole church, including the apostles and leaders, and reported on their recent journey and how God had used them to open things up to the outsiders. Can you say outsiders? The outsiders are now the insiders right? Some Pharisees stood up to say their peace. They had become believers, but continued to hold to the hard party line of the Pharisees. You must make them keep the law of Moses. Or should say it like this, Moses, Moses. The apostles and the leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. The arguments went on and on back and forth, getting more and more heated. And then Peter took the floor. Friends, you well know that from early on, God made it quite plain that he wanted non-Jewish people to hear the message of the good news and embrace it. And not in any second-hand and roundabout way, but firsthand, straight from my mouth. And God, who can't be fooled by any pretense on our part, but always knows a person's thoughts, gave them the Holy Spirit exactly as God gave the Holy Spirit to us. Do you guys want to cheer again? Like, yeah! Woo! God treated the outsiders exactly the same. 
beginning at the very center of who they were and working from that center outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed. So why are you now trying to out-God God? Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too. Don't we believe that we are saved because the master Jesus amazingly and out of sheer generosity moved to save us just as he did from beyond our nation? So what are we arguing about? There was dead silence. No one said a word. With the room quiet, Barnabas and Paul reported matter-of-factly on the miracles and wonders God had done among the other nations through their ministry. The silence deepened. You could hear a pin drop. James broke the silence. Friends, listen. Simeon has told us the story of how God at the very outset made sure that racial outsiders were included. This is in perfect agreement with the words of the prophets. So this is my decision. We're not going to unnecessarily burden non-Jewish people who turn to the master. We'll write them a letter. And here's what the letter said. From the apostles and the leaders, your friends to our friends in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Hello. We heard that some men from our church went to you and said some things that confused and upset you. Mind you, they had no authority from us. We didn't send them. We have agreed unanimously to pick representatives and send them to you with our good friends Barnabas and Paul. We picked those we knew you could trust. Judas and Silas. Not the old Judas. He's out of the picture at the moment, okay? They've looked, this Judas and Silas, looked death in the face time and again for the sake of our master Jesus Christ. We've sent them to confirm in a face-to-face meeting with you what we've written. It seemed to the Holy Spirit and to us that you should not be saddled with any crushing burden, but be responsible only for these bare necessities. Be careful not to get involved in activities connected with idols. Avoid serving food offensive to Jewish Christians, blood for instance, and guard against immorality. These guidelines are sufficient to keep keep relations congenial between us. And God be with you. And so off they went to Antioch, and on arrival, they gathered the church, they read the letter, and the people were greatly relieved and pleased. And after a few days of this, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit all our friends in each of the towns where we preach the word of God. Let's see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John along, the John nicknamed Mark. But Paul wouldn't have him. He wasn't about to take along a quitter, who as soon as the going got tough, had jumped ship on them in Pamphylia. Tempers flared, and they ended up going their separate ways. Let's just take a breath. This is God's word for us. Thanks be to God. 
That was a lot of words, friends, but isn't it cool? Like when you're reading the book of Acts, don't you say, oh, is it 2020? I mean, are people arguing, right? Is there a whole lot of arguing going on? I mean, I guess we've been doing this for a long time. Disagreement isn't new to the human condition. Disagreement isn't a new thing in the church. So everybody say amen. And remember, if there's a will, there's a won't. You know, like when we get all caught up in our will, many times we just won't do what we don't want to do, right? And tempers flare, where there's a will, there's a won't, you know? And I think about the fact that I've been willful, like, doing what I want to do, and not willing and open-handed, I've cut off the grace that could be mine. There's a great scripture in Jonah that says, those that cling to worthless idols cut off the grace that could be there. So I don't want to, I don't want to cut off any grace. You guys, no, I know we don't want to cut off grace. So this kind of tempers, tempers flaring, people yelling, right? I mean, all kinds of um, stuff that's going on in all the places where we work and play and relate and are on media. I mean, it's all over the place. And I know that God is teaching us that if we are Attached to our will will be attached to our won't. Like, I won't. And we don't want to be that way. We want to be willing and not willful. If you can find two people that think exactly alike on everything, one of them is not thinking. (laughs) Right? That's why, you know, we really love our faith community here. We don't tell you what to think. We, We give you opportunities to think. And to wonder with God and to be curious and to look at the scripture and do your studying, discovering what God is saying to you. Because we're not going to all think the exact same way, but we also don't want to be attached to worthless idols that are not helpful to us. People disagree, but is the disagreement worth your relationships? I mean, you at the end of 15 here, Paul cuts off John Mark. He's coming with me. He's a quitter. I'm not taking him with me. The Apostle Paul, everybody, he practiced what family systems theory calls cutoff. You know, like that stuff that happens in family, we don't talk to them anymore. We don't associate with them anymore. We unfriended them right? Now, don't get me wrong. There may be appropriate times that you must end something dangerous, toxic. We don't need to talk about that, right? I mean, if we need to talk about that with you, go ahead. Give me a call, 269-317-0283, because I'll help you get out of dangerous situations with no problem at all, right? And we have other people that will come alongside you. But we're talking about the way we cut people Is it worth the relationship? I'm thinking to myself, neither one of the presidential candidates are going to be at my deathbed, but my family will. So those are the people I'm building relational, right? Those are the people I'm putting my deposits in with. And so I'm not going to be flaming in places that would. uh, One of my favorite things my sister Lee said, and I know she won't mind this at all, 
she said, you know, she told somebody who wrote something pretty scathing on her wall that she wasn't necessarily in disagreement with about a particular situation. But she said, you know, I have to go to Thanksgiving dinner with my whole family. And some of my family don't think exactly like I think, and I love my family. So when people disagree, we need to say, is it worth the relationship? Because the Apostle Paul cut off his dear one, John Mark, and spent years without him. Do you know that? That that happened? But then in 2 Timothy, toward the end of Paul's life, he says, get here as fast as you can. Demas is chasing fads. And he went off to Thessalonica and left me here. Cretans is in Galatia province. Titus in Dalmatia. And Luke is the only one here with me. Bring Mark with you. He'll be my right-hand man since I'm sending Tychius to Ephesus. And ask him to bring the winter coat I left in Troas and Carpus and the books and the parchment notebooks. Like, you know what? When you're toward the end of things, like when it's, you're going to be thinking about the dear ones you want bringing your coat. You know, and you're not going to remember the stuff that you didn't think the same about. You're just going to say, I want you here. Hurry. I want you here. You are here. Who do you want to be there for you? And who do you want to be with in times of trouble and at the end? That's what matters right now, my friends. That's what matters. And so we don't want to practice cut off with people. We want to live with people in ways that we can think differently think divergently, have respectful conversations with one another, speak the truth in love, right? Show up for one another when somebody needs a coat or a mask, right? And we want to say, you are here right now. How do you want to come out of this? And what relationships do you want to remain? And so, my dear friends, keep short accounts. Dr. Mulholland, one of my professors, said, forgiveness is a frontal assault on the false self. And if you don't know what the false self is, it's your old nature. It's your without Christ self. When we forgive, it is a frontal assault on the false self. When we are willing. See, Christian maturity is staying open to the work of understanding, reconciliation, and unity. But unity is not conformity. So, my dear friends, the false self is deeply entrenched. You can change your name and address, religion, country, and clothes, but as long as you don't ask it to change, the false self simply adjusts to the new environment. And when COVID's over, it'll show up another place. When the election's over, you'll find another way to be that old-natured self. So, oh God... Gather us to be with you as you are with us. Let's stand together if you can. We're going to pray this beautiful prayer that Francis of Assisi taught us. This wonderful prayer that is um, a, a way for us to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm even going to ask you guys, you know, some of you will want to do this. Others of you won't. But for me, I love to pray with my body because sometimes my mind gets like distracted so when I pray sometimes I'll say oh God my heavenly parent father in heaven oh Jesus will you inhabit my heart and my affections and my emotions 
and Holy Spirit, the one who fills us and is filling us even now as your own temple, that the truest thing about me is that I am this house for God and that all of my friends who are filled with the Holy Spirit also carry the heart of God. So maybe you want to say, Father, Son, and Spirit. Maybe you want to say, Breathe on me, O breath of God, and allow me to see what I cling to. Allow me to see when I'm willful so that I can quickly ask you to forgive me. Help me know when my jaws clench, like, like Don said, or when my fists are clenched, or when I've got my back up. Oh God, let me see that as, a, as a, just a signal to surrender to you. And to surrender to God the Father, Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life that I would be surrendered to the God who can then when I'm cleared out make me an instrument of peace so take a deep breath and if you're together in your living room and there's more than one of you maybe you can pray this over one another so on this half of the room we're going to pray the first line, second line, third line, fourth line, right? And on. We're going to pray it over each other. So as best you can, take a little angle, just a little angle so you can still see the words of the prayer that are up here on my PowerPoint, Tammy. Not the song, but the prayer, please. Thank you. And then just give me a sign when it's there. All right. Thank you, Tammy. So this side, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy all together O divine master grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand to be loved as to love for it is in giving that we receive it is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, 
channel of your peace and that we would be a blessing to a thousand generations that come after us, that your favor would be upon us in ways that bring favor to other people. May we be a representation of the blessing and all the ways you've blessed our lives, all the ways you've been faithful, all the ways you've given us hope. for those that were coming for the test drive today. 
and, uh, and seeing how we might be together. Was it good to be together in this room? And, and, and so, um, you know, as weird as it is, right? And so we just want to say that, um, you know, we really are grateful that these folks here are going to tell us what we did well, what we didn't do well. They didn't know that we tricked them into this. Like, you're going to come and then you're going to tell us what we did well, what we could do better. And then um, we're going to, you know, keep preparing in all the ways that we can to create a culture of care and love, not just for this community, but for those behind. I want to say thank you to those who actually were on the list today to come that called me and said they were either in quarantine because something happened at work or they were in, their family was, their children were in quarantine because something that happened in school. So they didn't try to, you know, uh, slip one in on us. They actually, don't you love that we have honest and loving uh, parts of our community? And, um, and so if we can live together like that, friends, we can do this, right? So, you know, don't, don't, you know, we just know that that will be the way that we can do it if we care for one another in these ways. So we bless you and just say, um, just stay well, right? Wash your hands. Bless your neighbors in ways that you, you know, that will help them stay well. If you know somebody is not feeling well, make sure you make them some chicken soup with a lot of garlic in it. You know, take care of people. Be good to people, right? And let's let the light of Christ shine and bring the blessing out into our regions. The love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen? Amen. Have a great week.